0: I want to thank you tonight, Jesus, for Romans 8. It's such a wonderful chapter. The reality that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The reality that if we've truly been born again, we have been raised to newness of life, Lord. And now we could walk in the Spirit. We don't have to walk in the flesh. We could be walking, thinking, making decisions based on the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance, Lord. And Father, I thank you that you have truly given us a living hope, Lord, that we eagerly wait for the redemption of our bodies, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that we have a living hope, Lord. And I do thank you that everything we go through is working together for good in our lives, Lord. Even though we suffer these, Paul said, the light momentary afflictions of life, Lord, there's a greater glory waiting us, awaiting us, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. And I do want to thank you especially that nothing can separate us from your love. No nothing that we go through here on planet Earth can ever separate us from the love of God. Lord. And as we look at our next section in this Bible study, Becoming Women Whose God is Enough, I pray Lord Jesus that you truly will become enough for each and every one of us where we're at no matter what we're struggling with no matter how young we are no matter how old we are Lord may you be enough for us Lord and may we truly believe that you are for us you're not against us Lord I pray this if there's any um, doubt in anyone's heart or mind that doesn't really believe that. I pray that you would convince them tonight that you truly are for them. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we have for ladies that are here for the first time. We've been going through a Bible study called "Becoming a Woman Whose God Is Enough," and we've been going through the first section. The first section taught we talked about God, the Creator, and He's the giver of all things. The second chapter that we looked at, we looked at God as our all-sufficient shepherd, the good shepherd. He's the heavenly father, right? He knows what we need before we even ask him. And tonight we're looking at God who is for us, not against us. He's not against us. He's not against us. I could stand here and say it a thousand times tonight. Like, God is not against you. He's not against us. He's for us. And I had the girls read through Romans 8 because Romans 8 is such a wonderful chapter. There's so much hope in that chapter for us that have been born again. We, have, uh, we see the Holy Spirit working in that chapter, right? This talk about God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit is all encompassed in Romans 8. And it's amazing how with all the things we look at, everything the Apostle Paul has gone through, went through when he was here, this was his testimony. The latter end, what Maddie read. I thought she memorized it because she didn't have the paper. I was like, oh, right, that's good. (laughs) But that's reality. You know, that was Paul's testimony that nothing can separate us from God's love. And we all know what the Apostle Paul went through for the sake of the gospel. So that's an encouragement to us so we have to really remember especially as we're going through trials and I know since let me see probably since December to now a lot of us have been going through different things some of us is health issues financial issues uh, family issues I mean kids issues I mean The list goes on. Marriage issues, the list goes on and on. We've been going through so many different trials, and I really believe it's just God purified his bride because he is going to come again. So we have to be convinced that if God is for us, if we really know he's on our side, then what does it matter if other people are against you? Or does the opinion of man mean more than God? All that matters is God is for us. It's all that matters is that he's for us. So no matter what our circumstances in life might be, we have to tell ourselves God is for me in this. Even though I don't understand it, I don't understand why I have to go to this again, but he's for me in the midst of it. Because reality is, we are going to face trials in this life. You know, some of us might have gotten saved under the prosperity gospel, where it's all about blessing, and your life is going to be great and wonderful. And then when the fire comes, that God allows to come into our lives, to purify our faith, that James and Peter talked about, you know, we say, what What happened? So, this is why we need our mind renewed with the Word of God because there's a lot of false teachings in the church. We live in a fallen world. This, this world is under a curse. And if you don't believe me, go visit the Creation Museum and walk through it. Do walk through it. And you see it. You see it so clear. We are under a curse. We all die. But if we're in Christ, we will be resurrected again. To suffer no more. He'll wipe away every tear. That's good news. There's no more sorrow. There's no more sickness. That's good news. Good news. So, God is for us. Even in the midst of sickness, you've heard me say this before, financial hardships, marriage problems, problems with your children, problems with in-laws, whatever it might be for you, he's for you. Philip Yancey, this was from the Bible study, and I thought this was a really good quote. He said, the cross that held Jesus' body, naked and marred with scars, exposed all the violence and injustice of the world at once the cross revealed what kind of world we have but yet it also revealed what kind of God we have a world of gross unfairness but a God of sacrificial love I mean why would he even want to bother to reach down into mankind by sending his son to redeem mankind to him so if we're constantly questioning God's love for us, and this comes from the Bible study too, and it's, it's like kind of, it's going to be like stepping on your toes, so I'm giving you a little warning <laughs> before I say it. Then perhaps the cross and the resurrection are not enough to prove that God is for me. I expect it's too much. That was the quote. Perhaps I'm asking too much if I'm not convinced that the cross and the resurrection are enough evidence of God's love for me. Why am I demanding more from him? Have I forgotten? That's why we have to keep going back to the cross. Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible says, in general, about Romans 8, And Paul makes a challenge. He kind of throws down the gauntlet, as it were, and dares all the enemies of the saints to do their worst. If God is before us, who can be against us? The ground of the challenge is God's being for us. In this he sums up all our privileges. This includes all that God is for us not only reconciled to us and so not against us, but he's also in covenant with us and so engaged for us. All his attributes are for us. His promises are for us. All that he is and has and does is for his people. God is amazing. He's amazing. Why would he even want a father? The Father is for us. He proved that by giving us His Son. We see, we saw that. I should say, we saw that in Romans eight thirty two. The Son is for us. He proved that by dying on the cross for for us in Romans eight thirty four, what the girls had read. And the Spirits for us. He proved that by indwelling us. Remember, we looked at last week, Jesus said, it's better for you if I go away, because if I go away, I can send you the helper, the comforter. I'll send you the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit's for us, and he proves that by indwelling us. In Romans 8:26, the Spirit groans within us, prays through us. Right? We read that. And Jeff's going to be talking about that next Wednesday. It looks like next Wednesday we're not going to have Bible study because he's going to do a study on the importance of praying in the Spirit. God is always making all things work together for good for us, Romans 8.28 says. Everything we go through, every single thing. It's amazing how he can bring good out of, bad things that happen to us it's amazing to me how he does that so with God on our side how can we lose some of us really need to take that and meditate on it you know take some time to just sit and really ponder that reality that, yeah, if I'm in this race and I'm running it as best as I can and he's given me the Holy Spirit to help me and given me grace every minute of the day I can trust he's going to get me over that finish line why am I doubting him? That I'm going to finish this race we're not of those that draw back, Hebrews said He shouldn't be If we are, then we need to check our heart to see okay, what's still in there that I'm still being drawn back. So the first point there in the handout, again, this is from the Bible study scriptures that were listed in that study for this week. The first point is God is for us in his fullness. And again, I want to say this has to be bedrock for us individually. Foundation has to be bedrock that I really believe God is for us in, in all of his fullness. Crucial to the biblical doctrine, we're going to get into a little theology here tonight. Crucial to the biblical doctrine of God in his Trinitarian nature. Although the term Trinity is not a biblical word as such, Christian theology has used it to designate the threefold manifests on of the one God as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit the formulated doctrine of the Trinity asserts the truth that God is one in being or essence who essentially who exists eternally in three distinct co-equal persons, the oneness and unity of the ministry of the Trinity so what does that mean that's like little okay very simple, Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. So notice the Trinity there, us. Let us, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Power Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit does the words of the Father. He's obedient. He's a person. He's a person. I love Ephesians 3.14-19 through 19 through the Amplified Bible. I've always loved it in the Amplified Bible. It's Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. Well, listen to how it's worded. and It takes just the Greek definition of different words. That's what the parentheses, if I could say, are there. Paul prayed, may he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with the power through his spirit in your inner self indwelling your innermost being and personality. Who doesn't want that? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. It's by faith. And may you have been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of His love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, and that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God Himself. It is rich. It's rich. I've always loved that translation for that prayer. It is so rich what God wants to do in us through the Holy Spirit. This is your inheritance. You can pray this. You can claim this for yourself. He wants to do this in your life. Don't be afraid to ask. Jesus said, if you ask anything according to my will, I will do it. We can pray this. We can pray this for one another. And be confident, God, you're going to do this. Because it's your heart. It's your desire. Again, Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. We see there, and we're looking at God is for us in his fullness. Paul said there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Think about that. He's over all, he's through all, right? He reveals himself to us, and he's in us. Do we really believe that? Are we really walking in that newness of life that he has promised to us? If not, we need to ask the Lord why? What is in me still that's blocking that from happening? From that fruit being manifested in my life. What's hindering you, Lord? Help me to crucify whatever that thing is. Get it out of the way. So that you can reveal your glory in that way. The fullness of God. First Peter one verse twelve. This is from NIV. Says, though you have not seen him, right? None of us here have seen him. Yet you love him. You ever think of that. You love someone you don't even know, or have never seen. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, right? Isn't that amazing? How we are in love with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And we've never seen him in person, you know what I mean? But we do believe. We do believe he exists. We don't doubt it, right? We know God the Father is in heaven, and Jesus is sitting at his right hand. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We know it's real. You believe in him, and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious, that's to say, joy. When you think about that, doesn't it give you joy inside? I I love worship. When we worship, I can't help but smile at the same time because it's just like, this is reality. What we're seeing is reality. It's our reality. And it shouldn't bring joy because the Word of God said there's joy in His presence. But we could be experiencing that now here on earth, that joy. It doesn't matter what we're going through. Why do you know my dad died? I have nothing but joy in my heart. Me and my mom were talking about that. We both have nothing but joy. You can have joy no matter what. Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. It's possible. It's possible to walk through the valley of shadow of death. Yes, there's sorrow, but there's joy. There's joy there, too. Wayne Gurdum. How do you say that, Diane? Gurdum. This is our um, sister that's being trained up for ministry right now. She's going through systematic theology with Glenn Meldrum. So this is one of our books that we require, require for biblical counseling as well to go through this book. But I want to read this because it's, again, on the Trinity. Can we understand the doctrine of the Trinity? We should be born by the errors that have been made in the past. They have all come about through attempts to simplify the doctrine of the Trinity and make it completely understandable, removing all mystery from it. That's man for you. That is man for you, always trying to figure God out and put him in a box. This we can never do. However, it is not correct to say that we cannot understand the doctrine of the Trinity at all. Certainly we can understand and know that God is three persons and that each person is fully God and there is one God. We can know these things because the Bible teaches them. But what we cannot understand fully is how to fit together those distinct biblical teachings. We wonder how there can be three distinct persons and each person have the whole being of God in himself. And yet God is the only one undivided, is the only one undivided being. This we are unable to understand. In fact, it is... Spiritually healthy for us to acknowledge openly that God's very being is far greater than we can ever comprehend. This humbles us before God. It humbles us and draws us to worship Him without reservation. Just, if you're gonna take anything away from that whole section, just that sentence right there. This humbles us before God draws us to worship him without reservation he's so beyond us so beyond us and i'm thankful for that god the father we see here in isaiah 42 verse 8 he said i am the lord that is my name and my glory i will not give to another nor my praise to carved images isaiah 48 11 and 12 says how should my name be profaned I will not give my glory to another. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And then John 3.16, we all know this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him might be saved, might not perish. So that is God the the Father. Now Jesus, the Christ, A.W. Tozer, in the knowledge of the Holy, says the truth is that the man who walked among us was a demonstration, not of unveiled deity, but of perfect humanity remember he's the second Adam, the first Adam sinned, the second Adam overcame the world of flesh and the devil, death itself that's our Jesus, our hero if I could say it that way, so thankful that he has that right he has earned that title he has earned the title to be the son of God king of majesty, king of glory, mighty one, mighty warrior. You can just sit and think about that. Isaiah 9, verse 67, he says, and I can't wait for this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. How many of you can't wait for that? When the government is upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We have to remind ourselves of this in the days that we're living in. And every time we hear something going on in our world or something going on globally or something going on with the WEF, we have to remind ourselves the government will be upon his shoulders someday. day. We should be praying for it. Jesus, hasten the day when you come. I know some things have to happen before that happens, before the millennial reign, but it's still going to happen. John 1, verses 1 through 4 says, In the beginning, and here we see Jesus was there in the beginning, was the Word. Jesus is the Logos, the world Word made flesh. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We can't wrap our mind around that. So why do we try to figure it out? It's like, Lord. That's awesome. I believe you were there way back in the beginning, Lord. I believe. Just believe. Just believe. First Timothy 2, verse 5 and 6 says, For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, that's our Jesus, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified due time. Some of these translations are different. Hebrews 7 24 and 25. But he, referring to Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And I talked about this not too long ago in one of the Bible studies how. That should encourage us to know that Jesus is at the right hand of the fire Or interceding on our behalf When you feel like no one's praying for you Or you've been forgotten somehow Some way Encourage your heart with this truth Yeah but Jesus you're praying for me And you're praying perfect You know exactly how to pray for me Better than anyone else Better than anyone else Let that encourage your heart. So now we look at the Holy Spirit. Oswald Chambers in my utmost first highest, he said the Holy Spirit is the one who makes real in you all that Jesus did for you. It's the Holy Spirit that makes real to you all that Jesus has done for you. Do you ever sit sometimes and wonder, Lord, how did you make that real to me? I mean, how did you really make this real to me that I really believe it? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit, right? We need that, that we are children of God. We're His children. John 3, verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. John 14, 16 through 18, Jesus said, And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Did you ever think about that? that he might abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Did Jesus keep this promise to his disciples? He sure did did he keep his promise to the early church yes he said go and tarry and I will send you the Holy Spirit he keeps his promises why do we doubt him John 16 verse 7 and 13 and 15 nevertheless Jesus said I tell you the truth it's to your advantage that I go away for if I don't go away the helper will not come to you But if I depart, I will send them to you. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me and he will take what is of mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I say that he will take of mine. And declare it to you. And how many times has he done that to you personally? When you're in your quiet time. Or in the word of God. Or maybe even driving. And the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you. Or gives you a word of knowledge. Or a word of wisdom. And when you speak it out into that situation. You realize that was from the Holy Spirit. Only he knew that about that person or that situation. It's the Holy Spirit. Thankful for the Holy Spirit, especially in counseling, because he's a counselor. And the Holy Spirit has always been in counseling in the years we've been counseling. We are so dependent on the Holy Spirit. And he is faithful. And he comes with gifts, which are much needed in counseling. <coughs> Galatians 5:22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, not only does the Holy Spirit minister to us, helps us. Like he's, like we read, he's a helper, he's a comforter, he's a guide, he's with us. I mean, you could do a study on the Holy Spirit. We also see the Holy Spirit helps us to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives: love, joy, peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So we look at Andrew Murray in The Power of Prayer, and he says, Nothing can meet our need better than adoring worship of the Holy Trinity. It is upon God the Father who has blessed us in Christ Jesus that our expectation is to rest. It is in Christ that blessing is to be found if we continue close and unceasing fellowship with him. Very important. It is through the Holy Spirit that the presence of the Father and the Son in divine power can be known and experienced. We need all three. We need all three, and we can see why now the Apostle Paul in some of his epistles, he would close them out in prayer in Corinthians especially, 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen, he said, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, or the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So he made reference there to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, realizing that's what the early church needed. That's what we need. I mean, if they needed it, how much more do we need it in the times that we're living in? We need to be connected to the vine. We have to stay connected. So that was that section there. that section one that talked about just the reality that God is for us in his fullness. And these scriptures really back that up, especially that Ephesians 3, just praying through that prayer. The reality that God wants to do that in us, fill us with the fullness of his spirit, so our whole personality would just be full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit for every person we come in contact with, whether they are friends or whether they're enemies. What comes out of us in those times. So the second point now that we're looking at is God is for us in our trials. This again, has to be bedrock for us, individually. And that's why he takes us through so many trials. Because he's trying to work this into us. That we really believe that he's for us. And hopefully the the section we just looked at, we're convinced that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is for us. He really is for us. But what are some of the lies that we believe when we're in trials That go against what God has said. You can feel free to shout them out. So maybe someone that's listening can say, Yeah, I can relate to that. So what are some of the lies we believe when we go through trials? He doesn't hear me. He doesn't hear me. How many of us have felt that way? Especially when you're waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. And waiting on the Lord. Some of us wait years for prayers to get answered. Many, many years. And we wonder, Lord, do you hear me? Where are you? But we keep singing that song. We keep forgetting to wear your shirt. Waymaker. <laughs> Y'all wear it on Wednesdays. <laughs> even when we don't feel it yeah, like, when we don't see it yeah, he never stops no. he never stops working there used to be a song brooklyn tabernacle used to sing and i used to love that song and i used to play it all the time when i was believing the lord for the salvation of my family it's called god is working he's still working god is working all the time and i used to play that over and over and over and over and sing it and i didn't care what i saw it was like no this is true Hallelujah. (laughs) He's working all the time. He really is working all the time. He is. So, what are the lies that we believe when the trial comes? We already heard one. He's not hearing me. Is he hearing you? Yes. Yes, he's hearing you. What other lies do we believe? It's taking too long. It's taking too long. That's a good one. That is a very good one, because we want, now, Lord, now, now, Lord. And he's like, prepare that person's heart. They're not ready yet. Now, Lord. Yeah, now. Good. We just want the trial over with. If we're honest with ourselves, yeah. It's like, really? I got to go through this again? He's like, yeah. Yep she's not getting it he He wants to grow us we don't want to be babies in our faith right I mean it would be pretty bad if Haven was in her 40s and Sarah was carrying her around like that (laughs) right yeah she said He even looks at me like, yeah, I don't want to be a mommy's dog in my 40s, right? You don't want that either, right? You want to be all grown up. Yeah. So he wants to grow us. But how do we grow? Yeah. We try. Yeah. He loves us enough to send us trials. Yes, he loves us enough to send us trials. We're looking at what do we believe when we're in trials, lies we believe. We're kind of talking about that right now, that second section there. Yeah. So he's not working fast enough, some have said. He's not hearing me. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. Wow. The creator does not understand. Okay. That's a joke, though, right? I mean, you got to Yeah. <laughs> He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But we feel that way. Don't you understand what I'm going through right now? Or what so-and-so is going through right now? Of course he knows. Of course he knows. Yeah. So we believe a lot of lies, you know, when we're going through trials. But again, that second point there, God is for us in our trials, must become bedrock for us. I love how she listens. In the midst of those trials, Psalm 16, 7 and 8 says, I will bless the Lord in the midst of those trials. Why? Because he gives me counsel in those times from his word. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons when it seems the darkest that seems the time when we can hear God the loudest speaking to us when it's dark. For some reason he's there and we hear him and we read the word or we come to a service and it's like you're the only one in the room and that it's like God's just speaking through that person and it's resonating with the Holy Spirit in you what that person's saying. You know it's a word from the Lord. It's a rhema word from the Lord for your particular situation. David said, I set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And Isaiah talks about that, how he holds our hand, our right hand. He strengthens us. He gives us strength to go through things. He really does. He gives us strength. He gives us grace to go through difficult things. I've seen that over and over and over again. See, that's what happens when you go through a lot of different trials. Your faith grows and you're not shaken because you know he's, he's over it. He's got this, he's in control, he's sovereign. And then you look back and it's like, has he ever failed me? no he's always gone above and beyond what I could even imagine or think how he was going to answer the prayers it's amazing to me he really is more than he wants to be more than more than we can even imagine or think so we can choose to bless the Lord in the midst of it because he does give us counsel he does instruct us In the heart, he does show us the pathway to take, even if it's dark, even if you're in a night season and it seems like, is the light ever going to shine? Anyone feel that way with all the rain moving at it and dark? The sun came out for a minute and I was like, the sun, the sun! I was so happy, the sun! I wanted to call people and say, the sun's out. (laughs) I'm like, so done with the clouds and the rain and the. it's dreary. So Psalm 56, verse 8 through 11, and I meant to bring, I have a a tear bottle from Israel. I meant to bring it, I left it home. But it says, You number my wandering, and you put my tears into your bottle. Think about that. When we're in trials, God is for us. We're looking at, in trials, God is for us. How many tears have you cried? He's got to have a very big bottle. (laughs) Yeah. He's got one with your name on it. Roxanne. Yeah. Diane. Brenda. Sarah. Yeah. Brandy. Hannah. Sarah Jane. Yeah. I wonder if he knows which size bottle. She's going to need a really big one. <laughs> I wonder if he'll show it to us when we see him. Mm-hmm. See all those tears you cried and thought I wasn't listening? And right here. I want to show you. Well, and I've had this conversation with God before. Oh. Because um, I thought you gave me these emotions. Mm-hmm. And these times I think, oh, "Oh." Mm it's, yeah, I've gone through, you know, I just don't understand, I can't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. And and you feel like giving up Mm -hmm. in hopeless. But then a song, and I don't remember who sung it, this is a long time ago. He just keep on walking. She don't know how far he's running. He might just be around the next corner. Yeah. And I <coughs> know It's and I think most of the people that don't have problems. Yeah. Go through some of these trials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they turn to drugs, alcohol, shopping, gambling. They turn to other things. Or maybe a a relationship that is inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So he's collecting your tears in a bottle. Be encouraged today. You number my wanderings. You put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. David was running for his life. We've we've looked at David and referred to him several times in different Bible studies. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And David's situation was life and death. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? If God be for me, who can be against me? Mm-hmm. Psalm 118, five through 9. These scriptures are good to take and just meditate on them. <coughs> the homework and uh. At the end of the story, we'll give you opportunity. At the end of the story, at the end of the Bible study, we'll give you opportunity to do that. (coughs) Psalm 118, verse 5-9 to says, I called on the Lord in distress. Are you in distress? Are you in a trial of distress right now? Call on the Lord. Call on the Lord. Go on the Lord in confidence that the Lord will answer me just like the Lord answered the cry of his people that have gone before us throughout the Old Testament, the saints of old. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. Even though I might feel like the walls are closing in on me and there's no way I can breathe through this, he can make it a broad place. Why? Because he's there with you. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me. Among those who help me, therefore I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. We really need to learn this in our generations. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And you can define that however you want for the times we're living in instead of trusting the Lord. Warren Wearsby from the Wearsby Bible Commentary says, The believer needs to enter into each new day realizing that God is for him. There is no need to fear, for his loving father desires only the best for his children even if they must go through trials to receive his best. Yes. Mm, yes. That's another good quote to really ponder and to say it to yourself as you're walking through different trials. Lord, you believe... Every day that I wake up, I don't know what the day holds for me, but I know you're with me. I don't have to fear you are a loving father that only wants to give good gifts to your children. We read that in scripture. Even though I don't understand why I have to go through this trial, but you see the end. The end. And obviously this pay plays into what I have to walk through in order to receive what you have for me. Which really is this fullness his fullness he wants to reveal himself to us in greater ways through that trial he wants to fill us more with the glory of God in the midst of the trial so people can look at your life and say how in the world are you going through that how in the world do you have peace in the midst of that how do you have joy in the midst of that they're watching us I'm finding that out with unsaved family. They have been watching. You're watching us. What are they seeing? Philip Yancey in disappointment with God. Again, this comes from the Bible study, and I want to read this because this is very important. No one is exempt from tragedy or disappointment. Not if we live here on planet Earth, I'm adding that to that sentence. God himself was not exempted. Jesus offered no immunity, no way out of unfairness, but rather a way through it to the other side. Just as Good Friday demolished the instinctive belief that this life is supposed to be fair, Easter Sunday followed with its startling clue to the riddle of the universe. Out of the darkness, a bright light shone. Someday, God will restore all physical reality to its proper place under his reign. Until then, it is a good thing to remember that we live out our days on Easter Sunday. So what do you believe? about God When are facing various trials that test our faith. What do you believe? What do you believe about yourself? Do you believe he's for you or against you? Do you believe he's punishing you for something? Those so of us that might have had some uh, background with Catholicism it's it's that mindset. You're being punished. You're being punished. You're being, God's punishing you. That has to be torn down in your mind. That lie. He's not punishing us. He loves us. He disciplines us. Yes, but it's because he loves us that he disciplines us. James one two through four told believers in his generation. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why, why do we do that? Why can we do that? Knowing that the testing of your faith is producing patience. That now, Lord, well, now, he's producing patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's his desire for us in the midst of trials, in the midst of it. So whatever trials you face, Remind your spouse when you both go through trials, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Let's count it all joy. The enemy wants us to get angry. Let's count it all joy. I've had to do that. Because we've had like one thing after another. Remember, the, the, the best thing was last week we came. We went to Georgetown, we came home, and uh pipe in our wall busted downstairs. <laughs> yeah. So we opened the door downstairs and both doors are standing over. <laughs> Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I had that look on their face. So I just looked at Jim, I said, just count it all joy. He's like, great, the pipe broke. I'm like, whatever, it's going to get fixed. I mean, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? These things happen. Lucas thinks it's very funny. It was pretty funny to see the doggies in water. <laughs> so we have to remind each other, count it all joy. Because God is doing something in us through the trial. He's producing in us what he's wanting to produce in us. Patience. He's perfecting us. He's completing us. The work that he started in our hearts, he said he will be faithful. Paul said he will be faithful to be completed to, complete to the day of Christ Jesus. So he's working in our lives. And I think it was truly that read Romans 8.18. No, no, I read it, right? For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's another good reminder as we're going through trials. This is a light, moment, of affliction that I'm going through right now, but it's not going to be compared to what God's going to do through it. And I believe him to do something wonderful inside of my heart that's desperately needed through this trial. Even though it doesn't feel good, or maybe I wouldn't have chosen this pathway, he knows what he's doing, like we saw in the first section of the Bible study. So there was another quote here, and I'm going to close with this quote. To have found God, to have experienced him in the intimacy of our being, to have lived even for one hour in the fire of his trinity and the blood of his unity, clearly makes us say, now I understand you are enough for me. And that's what he's after in us. With everything we go through, can we come to the place where we can say, If I lose everything, Jesus, you're enough for me. Father, you're enough for me. Holy Spirit, you're enough for me. Because everything's temporary. Everything. Nothing is secure. Not in this world. But is he enough for us? And that's what he's teaching us now to be content and satisfied in him in that way. So that when the real shaking comes, I mean we've experienced some shakings since 2020 but when more shakings come, I mean the whole world is going to be shaken, scripture tells us. Those things that remain we want the things that cannot be shaken that we be founded on. That our faith be founded on. Christ alone, solid rock, firm foundation. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Because we read it. Maddie read it at the end. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No matter where we are, nothing can separate us from his love. So, Lord, I am so grateful that you are true and your word is true and all your promises are yes and amen. You don't lie. You're not like any other earthly father we've ever known as wonderful as some of us have had wonderful dads. Lord, you're even better than that. Some of us have had horrible dads. Well, you're the best dad ever, Lord. You are the best dad because you're our creator. You're the one that lit us together in our mother's womb. And you have been so kind to us. You've been so kind, Lord. And we just pray that you would continue to work these truths deep down in our hearts with every trial that we face. Lord, I pray that you would be enough for us in the midst of that trial, Lord. And that we would be um, just resting in you, in the reality of who you are, Lord, as your children, Lord, I think of all the babies in this church that really, they just rest on their mom and their dad, on their chest, on their shoulders, they don't worry about anything. How much more do you want us to be that way, Lord? So I pray that you would continue to guide us, Lord, and lead us. And, and, Lord, continue to speak to us. And I pray as we go home tonight that you would help us to ponder these things, Lord. I pray the enemy wouldn't snatch it out of our hearts. We wouldn't allow them to. But that the seed that has been planted tonight would go down deep into our hearts and bear much fruit for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.